1: You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game.
0: This is the Power Producers Podcast, production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today, we are bringing you... A guest from the homeland for me, Kyle, you wore your Ohio State shirt today at exactly the right time. Let's we go. have Ms. Yeah, yeah. We have Ms. Amanda Bruton, who is outside of Cleveland on the east side. I'm from the west side originally, and she spends her time running <laughs> her <laughs> Medicare FMO, Medicare Answers Now. And we're gonna get into all of that here in the next little bit. But before we do, Kyle just seems like he's chomping at the bit. He's got well, something no. I, I was going to say, bring is, it. I, let's go. I,
2: I just, <laughs> I mean, the, is, is it the east side, west side situation yeah. like the rap game in in, yeah. in the 90s? Like, I mean, is that what we're doing here? <laughs> yeah.
3: A little bit, yeah. So you've got um, the 480-77 split, which is the freeway T, if you will, that east side gets all the snow, is in the snow belt and all of that. And, yes, we do get feet of snow. And then you clear yeah. that that bridge and there's no snow. <laughs> there's no nothing. That's crazy. So, so it, it it is definitely a East side, West side thing. Yes.
1: So speaking of East, East coast, West coast rap, you know, the rap feud. Yeah. Let's get what's into this. Up, yeah. What's up with the fact that I just saw that a search warrant was issued for a home somewhere outside of the strip in Vegas. Uh, and it was based on, tupac's murder and this was last week this is getting looked oh, up crazy. right now it, it was would on
2: any it.
3: evidence be at, be, out I, I I I mean, would be i don't know i couldn't i couldn't stupid could, enough
1: i couldn't understand why like i didn't i didn't listen to the whole thing but it was on like i i heard the headline like two or three yeah. different police times.
2: search home in tupac shakur shakur murder investigation i can't even talk right now um, it's crazy. Hmm. I'm gonna have Isn't to. Do that wild? Some, yeah, is wild. We have to do so, some some research on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So before while you're doing your research, um, <laughs> I will never call it research again at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah, while you're research. doing your re- yeah, while you're doing your research, um, <laughs> Amanda, why don't you give everybody sort of your background? How how did you get into what you're doing today? Because to me, Medicare is one of those things that I've just never had. To be completely honest with you, I never had any interest in it because it was like one more thing I had to learn. Mm-hmm. And yet I know a lot of people who do it and do it very, very well. So I'm honestly for selfish reasons excited to talk to you and hear about what's going on in your in your company because I literally don't know anything at all about Medicare and how it works. So Okay.
3: So you, I fell into this actually. Um started on the PNC side, used to work for progressive and hated it. Um did the call center overnights for 10. So I'd work, go to work at 10 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the evening on a Friday, get done at six o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. And then I'd go play at the Cleveland Museum of Art. And one of the rich ladies that was there said, as I was attending a black tie affair, said, oh, honey, when I used to work, I used to work for a company called that. Now, you should check it out. And okay, fine. So I applied for a company, not knowing who Aetna was, not knowing anything, and um, submitted a job for a captive agent. And then the hiring manager called and said, hey, you know what? I think you'd be a better fit working on the broker side. And I said, okay, send so, I mean, what the job spec is, and it's all the things I love to do, the strategic management, the teaching, the events, um, the sales all of that and I said you're gonna pay me for this and he said yeah we're gonna send you to school you'll work at home you'll have all these things and if you work really hard we'll make this happen so that was 17 years ago and then fast forward um I worked at Aetna and then I moved to Anthem um And then four years ago went out on my own, started the agency, and I'm known for the teaching and the development that I do. I um I don't work like a normal FMO does. Um I come more like a business coach and um education is key for me uh with the growth of the agents that I work with. So it just blew up and um I don't directly recruit. So most of the agents that come with me come from um come to us are just by recommendation, or they like what they see on social media or they attend one of my conferences or any number of the meetings that we did or the the classes that we do. And it's uh, I like what you're about, tell me more. And um, so now I've got a little over 400 agents in 40 States and it's growing every day. And uh, I can't believe where this has taken me. So Um, I started my first conference 2021 with Ms. Medicare, and then that has now since evolved to where um, now I have two because boys got mad that the girls had one and they didn't. Uh, So that one's my Florida one Medicare margaritas in March. And then I just started and work on working with uh, creative design for Medicareans in Vegas next year. So super excited. It's been crazy. <laughs> so
1: for what you do and FMO stands for Field Marketing Organization for those who don't know what that business model looks like, why don't you explain a little bit about the actual business model? Cuz what it sounds like to me in in very layman's terms is you handle a lot of educating of agents so that they had to be equipped to go out and educate the people that are the end user of the product. And you grow your organization by educating the agents and getting them to join you in your efforts.
3: So all of the insurance agents that work for me own their own business. They are paid directly by the carriers. Um, I like Medicare because it's highly technical and it changes all the time. So for me, that engagement is there. I wear 20 different hats in an hour some days. Um, and I like that because, well, I've got the ADD, the professional ADD with it. The way that this works is the carriers go to organizations like mine and say, we don't have enough time or staff to be able to teach the tens of thousands of agents that work selling our products. So tell you what, we will pay you what's referred to as an override to teach and, and get these agents to sell more. So I have a really good track record with that. So what ends up happening is is that each of the carriers basically do that. I have all the major ones and some that aren't so major. And what we do is, is it's my job to teach the agent overall how to run their business effectively. And specifically when it comes to the Medicare piece of it, it's to teach them how to market it what the latest compliant regulation is and how to compliantly sell so that that way they're educating grandma in a way that she understands what the hell you're talking about and not speaking over her head. And candidly, I get paid to make other people's lives better. I help the agent achieve their dreams and make their lives and their employees' lives better. And then I help them help the senior get the things that they need not only from a medical perspective but from a social perspective and their drugs and everything else that i help on that and then i work with our professional organization which is national association of benefit and insurance providers or nabip Um, i sit on their medicare advisory group so i'm one of a handful of agents that work with various levels of legislation congress and cms to affect the actual change for the aging community, as well as the beneficiaries. And I love what I do. It's, it's very, very gratifying. And I am definitely one that if I do right by others, the money comes along the way. And mm-hmm. that's what makes me so passionate about what I do.
2: So you said that the the carrier pays you an override. Is yes. that what I heard? Okay. Got it. Yes.
1: Yeah. So I mean, essentially i I don't want to water this down because I know how hard you have to work to make this work. i look, I get what it's like to educate other agents on mm-hmm. how to do things and hold them accountable to do it. I do it every day, yeah um, <laughs> but you know I, I think that there's a lot of it's always interesting when people are on the outside looking in they don't under- they don't really understand how the businesses work, so you hear a lot of. And I don't want to lump you in with this, but you're know you know where I'm going with this, right? Because you
3: say, by all means, give it to me straight. We're good. Yeah,
1: you know, you hear people that have negative connotations about organizations like uh, Family First or yeah, Family First Life, and all of this. And it gets to the point where, um, you know, they refer to it as an MLM or whatever else. I don't really, based on your description, I don't understand I don't think that that would be how I would characterize what you do. you're You're closer to be in like a a market access or an aggregator in the sense that you're getting an override for educating and getting people to where you need them to be. I just feel like that if you grew up in the era that I grew up in, anything that has anything at all to do with overrides, downlines, this, that, or the other is immediately gonna be Amway in somebody's mind,
3: immediately. It is in in people's mind, but here's the thing, is is that um, you're kind of correct. In that when you look at the life insurance side of things, life insurance has the ability where they can, the entity can set and establish what you're paid. So they can give you street level. They can give you a percentage of what they're making and all sorts of things like that. Okay. When you look at the Medicare side of things, Medicare, the commissions are dictated on the advantage and Part D side. Those commissions are dictated by CMS. So the center for Medicare and Medicaid services dictates what an agent can make when it comes to selling those products. No more, no less. The only way that they get less of what the street rate is, is if they are working for an agency where the agency is paying them and the agency is taking a cut of their commissions for marketing or overhead or benefits or whatever. When Most people that work in the Medicare space, you own your own business. And the trick is, is that you're paid directly by the carrier. Now, what that means is you have people or entities like mine, where we teach you how to fish. I'm not feeding you leads. I'm not, I'm instead teaching you how to go out in your community and educate and market yourself so that it becomes a referral based business that allows you to get your foot in the door for other things. When you're looking at the other company and you can sell life insurance at a separate appointment and have that in your bag of tricks. But when it comes to focusing on Medicare, the advantage in Part D, you have to have your certification for each carrier and it has to be annually. And then the CMS dictates what your commission is. Then you have on the med sub side, that is actually a whole different thing. That doesn't have any certification. That typically is a percentage rate of the premium that is um, placed. So it's usually between 18 to 25% of whatever that premium is. And then that section actually gives you bonuses on what you're placing. You get opportunities to win trips and all sorts of things like that. They are looking at changing the dynamic of how that is paid out. But right now, because of the way that the rules were established back in 2008, um, they changed the way that this is paying out so that it got rid of that. So the only way that you have it where things change is if the agency owns the business and you are captive to that agency, like health markets, like um, some channels of IFG, uh, Family First Life, those.
1: Got it. So why don't we do this since? A large number, not everybody that listens to the podcast, but a large number are commercial producers. Why don't you give them like the Medicare 101 breakdown? Because when you start talking about different parts and all of that, I might Over as well, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I might as well be getting into experience modification yeah. analysis. I heard, with I heard part D and I did
2: not know that you there know, was it, a part D.
1: Yeah, but it's <laughs> things that we hear thrown around all the time. And I do think that, you know, there are a lot of agents and agencies out there that that listen to the podcast that probably could, you know, make make better money for themselves, help more people in their communities. Yeah. If they understood, number one, that there's a resource out there, they're not going to be left on their own if, you know, if they decide yeah. they want to go down this road. But, you know, in in hearing you even talk about recertification and having the you know that that centralized group that that looks at compensation and all of that, it reminds me of the same thing that I say every single time when I think about life insurance. It, and that's when I went to go get my license. I felt like I needed to take a shower when I left because <laughs> the the questions seventy to seven seventy to eighty percent of the questions had to do with laundering money or stealing from old people, <laughs> like literally. That's what the entire thing was based oh, yeah. on, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why did I have to take any coursework? I could have come in here and just answered these like a decent human being, An ethical and thing, pass, yeah, yeah, and passed this test. <laughs> but apparently, that's not the peer group that you get into when you so, start moving to that side of the equation a little bit. So I'm interested in just sort of the, the, the basics because I think that there's probably a lot of people that make this way more complicated than they need to make it. And in that I'm guilty of that, like of yeah. in literally anything in life. If it's something that I know, I know it really well. If it's something I don't know, I kind of just push there's it away. For
3: that. Yeah. And
1: then it and then <laughs> at some point there comes a day where I have to know it. And I learn I'm like, well crap, I just cost myself a lot because I didn't take the time to learn this. So
3: okay. So there's a couple of things here that I want to touch on. First Um, To anybody that's listening, there's a lot of money in this, and it's a great way to go ahead. And especially if you are working with employer group or if you have PNC, home and auto that you're working with this, you have an established set of customers that they have to have some kind of insurance for Medicare on top of the original Medicare. They need either an advantage plan or a supplement to go with the Medicare that they are getting. So that business is going somewhere. It's either out your door, you're referring it to somebody, somebody else is taking it and getting the opportunity to talk to your group or whatever the client is that you have, or you can do it yourself. Now, I've got, I have PNC agencies that I work with that actually they've grown very substantial businesses over the years with that. I have entities that are group focused that we work with. And then I have people that say, I don't want to touch it. I just want you to handle it. And we do all of that. So what does this actually mean? So with Medicare, original Medicare, you have two parts, A and B. A is your hospital. B is your doctors and your outpatient. That's easy. Hmm. If you work 40 credit quarters, which basically means if you work for 10 years or your spouse works for 10 years, you don't have to pay anything for the part A. Your Part B has a monthly premium that changes every year. Typically in November is when the new premium comes out. And you have that that you will pay till the day you die, unless you go on uh, Medicaid or extra help where you don't have that premium because, well, you don't make enough money to do that. So with the Part B, those are your first two parts. Now, Medicare was never designed to be a great, you turn 65, you're never going to have a bill. You're never going to have to worry about anything. That's not what this does. What Medicare is, is it's basically a high deductible plan. So it ha- it's like Swiss cheese. There's holes in this thing all over the place. And because there are, you want to have something that fills in that the holes that original Medicare does not have. Add on top of it that 2006- Medicare came back and said, well, gee, we have a growing problem, and that is we as a population and as a society take a lot of medication, and that medication is super expensive. So we need to put together a Part D plan that says that private insurance companies pay for or that you purchase that covers the medications that you're on for whatever cooties that you've got. So what ends up happening is, is that the part D started in 2006. So you need to pick that up separate from your A and your B. So all things constant, that is one piece that you've got to have when you either come off of a group plan or, and retire, or when you turn 65 or become Medicare eligible. Now, the Part D or the drug plan can either be mixed into an Advantage plan or it can be tacked on with a supplement, which the next question everybody asks is, is what the hell's the difference between the two? MedSup, basically, that's your alphabet soup. Those are the ones that are dictated by um, the government. There's A through N. The most populars are F, G, and N. And basically what those are is, is it allows, it wraps around original Medicare fills in the holes for anything that is Medicare allowable for all your co-pays and your co-insurance that Medicare doesn't cover. Dental and vision are not included in these, but you don't have a network. So you can go anywhere in the country that accepts Medicare, hand them your original Medicare card, hand them your card for your Medicare supplement, and there you go. You're going to be seen. You don't have to worry about a thing. You're going to pay typically a premium every month, whether you use it or not, you're going to pay it for that particular plan. Average plan G is about $130 a month on top of that $170 Part B that you have. And then you have your Part D plan that you have to get, which the average premium on that is about $36 a month. So, and yes, there are plans as low as like three dollars, depending on where you live and what you know what your drug needs are. But that's the averages. So that's your med subside. Medicare supplements, you have a guaranteed issue, meaning that your medical history doesn't come into play when you are in open enrollment when you turn sixty five or become Medicare eligible. And then after that, you can change plans, but your medical history is going to come into play unless you have a qualifying, advantage or a qualifying status change, right? Then the other side of this, the other side of this is what you see all over the news. It's all the ad campaigns and everything that are out there. Those are the advantage plans. Those are the ones that you see that are advertised for a zero premium and they offer everything from dental, vision, utility coverage, mortgage payments, dog food, massages, things like transportation, Those plans, the Advantage plans, are set up very similarly like an employee group plan in that you have your HMO and your PPO. You're going to pay when you use it. You are going to have to use the restrictions of a network-based plan, right? So the thing that is different that most agents are still stuck 10, 20 years ago when those networks were awful. Well they're not, no longer awful. Most of the carriers now have national networks. Most of the carriers now have very lucrative benefits to these, but with these benefits and these plans, the government is basically saying to the insurance company, you do insurance better than we do. So we want you to manage the care of these beneficiaries which means that prevention and wellness are key, which is how they're offering all of these extra benefits. Now, there's a whole bunch of regulation that comes into that to protect grandma. Because the last thing that you wanna go ahead and have happen is that somebody's not checking their medications. So now grandma goes to try to get her meds and they're no longer paid for, but now she's got a couple thousand dollars in bills that had somebody done their due diligence, that that wouldn't have happened. So the rules change. And there is some regulation to how this all works. But yes, at the end of the day, it's pretty easy once you get a hang for it. And it does take a little bit. The trick that I tell everybody is, is knowing who your resources and where your resources are with Medicare. It is not memorization. And just because somebody speaks with conviction does not mean that they know what the hell they're talking about. So normally when I teach, I give... I cite my source so that you can learn where to go to find those things. And then um, I actually have a whole system to how I onboard somebody so that it's not as overwhelming as you think. And it makes people, it makes it digestible. So,
1: so in the commercial world, it's real easy <clears throat> to know that you can go out knock door to door if you park in a, you know, one of those industrial complexes or whatever and you can cold call all afternoon and you will likely be able to set an appointment or two based on putting in the work and i can replicate that over and over and over again i don't even know where i'd begin if i needed to start getting my messaging out in front of the demographic that needs medicare now what does that look like
3: it's actually pretty easy First thing that you do is you launch a campaign that says, hey, guess what? I now can go ahead and help you with your Medicare. Tell you, you know, does your mom, does your grandma, does does somebody that you know need help trying to figure out how to get the prescriptions covered? Does somebody that you know, are they on Medicare or or looking to retire? Tell them what? Give me a call and I'll be happy to help you. The difference between selling Medicare Advantage and, and depending on the state all things Medicare, because in the state of Ohio, you can't cold call med sub. Hmm. The difference with Medicare is that everything is a backward. It's great. You have a line on somebody, give me a call. So here's my card. Have them call me. It's all about the call me actionable versus great. Let me take the initiative and call you and 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 educate you on what you need. Now, you can do that on the, on the med sub side, but here's the problem. You have so many people inundating these people with phone calls that they're afraid to answer their phone and talk about Medicare. You have people that are not on the up and up that are pretending to be Medicare or Social Security that are trying to do the identity theft with the senior. Mm-hmm. So it is actually better. And how I recommend is I teach a three-pronged marketing approach, online, community, and print. And what I teach the agent to do is understand this demographic. The senior that is turning of age or that is Medicare eligible, they want to talk to somebody face-to-face. They want a relationship. They want somebody to go ahead and they can look all day online, but they need to have somebody that sits in front of them and says, okay, listen, there's 72 plans in your county. It's my job to know which of these make sense for you. Let's take a look at your specific scenario and let's figure out a plan that works. So to market it, It's typically about community engagement. It's about understanding where, you know, regular sales, you wanna understand where their motivators are and where their pain points are. You wanna be able to take something that, just like you said a few minutes ago, something that is a difficult concept like this and break it down into English where it's like, you know what, this isn't that hard, or it is that hard and yes, and I get that it's a pain point, but let me break this down so that it's manageable for you so that that way you understand. And being able to communicate that as well as all the different ins and outs of the various benefits and the opportunities that are there for somebody that, let's say, they don't go to the doctor and manage their diabetes because they can't get groceries, fresh groceries, because their their food card went down. It's not as time intensive as people think. The trick is, though, is, is that you need to be able to basically take the time to learn it, just like anything, and then slightly shift your marketing. Most people that I've seen that start into it, they start getting frustrated because they want to treat the business like everything else. Well, I talk to my PNC people this way, so therefore I'm going to talk to my seniors that way. Or I do everything digital and I don't, you know, I don't want to be in person. Okay, that's fine. You can be that way. You can do it via Zoom. But there's a niche for everybody depending on what your strong suits are. And for me as what I do is it's my job to find where your strengths are. It's my job to help you identify and create that business plan and that marketing plan that will set you up to win with it and then help you execute afterwards. That's what I get paid to do. A lot of FMOs won't give you the time of day until you've produced and put up enough applications to where they deem you worthy of the time. I do it the exact opposite. I wanna set you up for success and teach you right habits from jump and then work with you. Most of my senior guys, they know that they can get at me, but they're not as time intensive as my as my beginner level agents that are just getting into the industry.
2: And I
1: it, have, yeah, go ahead, Kyle. I was
2: just going to say, it's and it sounds like from, from what you just said there, that the marketing rules and the ways that you're able to reach out to people are different in each state.
3: So for Medicare supplements, everywhere except for Ohio, you can cold call that. Do I okay. recommend that you do it? Hell no! But <laughs> what's you Ohio's can...
2: beef with the cold call? What <laughs> I said. What's Ohio's beef with the cold call on the medical subs?
3: So Ohio decided to lump all of the Medicare stuff into one umbrella so that they can do enforcement the same way, and it just there was some consistency with how they do it. Basically, that's a short version. Okay. When you look at other states, med subs are enforced on the state level. Med advantage is enforced by the carrier, but on a federal level. So there's the disconnect as to who's ruling what. Mm -hmm. The issue with cold calling with Medicare is, is that you have a demographic that is losing their memory, difficult concepts for them to understand. And because there's a ton of confusion, They can't hear half the time when you're on a phone anyways. So you have a myriad of issues that are going on. And at the end of the day, it's all about politics, quite frankly, as far as Mm. I'm concerned. So the last thing that anybody in a political because what do seniors do if they're aggravated enough? they're going to call their congressman. (laughs) It's what happens. And the last thing that a congressman wants to have happen is their phone to ring because grandma's pissed off and grandma's made the news. So it's all about the protection of that optic and the protection of those people to make sure that nobody swindles them. I have actually literally sat having a pedicure done with a man that was sitting next to me with his phone on on speakerphone she, he had no idea of who i was and i listened to this man answer his phone and the person on the other end said that they were medicare mr so and so this is medicare calling we need to discuss your medications and we need to get you on a correct plan and i'm listening to this and this guy gave the gave the other the dude on the phone what for with that Because he had his wits to be able to do it. But I sat there and I'm like, well, one, this is now becomes example that I bring when I'm teaching and when I'm when I'm explaining and when I'm having these discussions with legislation. But these are the examples of what is very real in the agent in in the Medicare community right now. There are 68 million Medicare eligibles in the country. And that is only going to grow Mm -hmm. exponentially for the next seven years. That is a lot of people and a lot of business to be written. And you got a lot of people that go and look at it and go, oh, well, nobody's going to catch me if I do something wrong. And it sucks. But that's what's happening. So to protect grandma, these rules are in place. Gotcha. It has to happen.
1: You know, it's um it's not lost on me that you have to have a lot of patience to operate in this segment of the market. Yes. Patience, for sure. the two the two gentlemen on this particular podcast <laughs> likely lack.
3: That's okay. You can send your referrals to me, Dave, all day
1: long. I can write it. I can get it to somebody that can write
3: it. We're good all day long.
1: (laughs) Because I'm thinking if I lived in Ohio, I would just set up a card table in the Southwest corner of the Bob Evans parking lot (laughs) about, (laughs) you know, maybe one time around breakfast and another time around three 30 when the blue plate special starts rolling in. But I mean, it's, it's interesting because you're right. I, I, you know, I'm a student of marketing. There are so many really, really good people that are so talented in our industry that we can all learn from, but it has to be different, right? And and I got to believe too, and, and you're always welcome to correct me if I'm wrong, but at some point, the generations that are aging into Medicare are going to be more technologically savvy than mm-hmm. the, the people who are there right now. But I have to believe if you do a really, really good job for somebody This is still that generation only because this is where our parents are very much word of mouth, very Mm -hmm. much word of mouth. I mean, I can't imagine how many referrals you would be able to get if you take the time to do a really good job on one person. And I think that if I were in that, if I were doing this, that's probably where I would focus my attention because I do actually enjoy educating people. I like working with other producers. When I go in and meet with a new prospect, I take the time to sit down and educate them about our approach, about things that we see that they may not have discussed with their existing representation. And without question, every single time I get feedback that they really people really appreciate someone who takes the time to do that. When we had Producers in Paradise back in June, Josh Braun was our keynote. And when he came in, one of the things that he said was you have to detach yourself from the outcome in the sales process. Mm -hmm. In this area of the insurance industry, I really believe you have to detach yourself from the actual process because the outcome in this case would be buying a policy from you or not. And yeah, there's certainly, if they're not going to buy from you, you need to detach that. But I would think if I, and and let me clarify this quick before I finish what I was going to say. It really has to do with people who get pissed off when what they should have expected to happen is actually what happens. And they should have been detached from that before they ever go in. So if I knew that I was going to spend my entire day having the same conversation over and over and over again, or some variant of it, I would be much more likely to be able to tolerate that where I wouldn't do well is if I'm running Florida Risk Partners and I'm dealing with a middle market commercial account, mm. now I got somebody who's got an auto claim, and the next thing I have is a call in where I need to be at my absolute most patient to take the time to educate Ms. Jones on her Medicare. I'm I just I know where my weaknesses I, are. Yeah I, I totally agree
2: I'm, with that. That I I get the same way, man. That that's a very good point. And it's so
3: if you're going hmm. ahead and if you're running so you've got a couple of things there. So I have PNC agencies like um, the one here that I worked closely with, which is Strzok and Novak. They've been around for 75 years. They started in the PNC side. They opened up a health division with that side of it. You know, they don't cross. It's referred to the health division and a dedicated person that that's all they do is the health side of it. And they actually have multiple people now in that division that do that. Then you have it where I have other ones that aren't that big. And what they do is, is that on, let's say Tuesdays and Thursdays, they do all their health appointments and Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they do all of their PNC business or all of their group business. So Mm -hmm. they've found ways to section it off so that that way you don't have that knee jerk of, you know, one client to the next, to the next. And okay, well, how do I know which one it is? And how do I, how do I level with, So there's ways around that, which is how I help the agents set that up and figure out, okay, what's best for your business model and your personality? I have agents that you're right. Their sweet spot is going out and getting into the community and doing all sorts of community stuff. They do that all day, every day. They are at various locations, senior centers, carnivals, fairs, you name it. Then I've got guys or ladies that go ahead and they're like their sweet spot is going and teaching financial planners or going into various employers or HR people and saying, listen, this is a free service that we can offer to your employees that are looking at retiring and I can educate them about this thing. The thing that is different with Medicare is everybody, if you look at the way that just if you look at human nature, right, as a kid, first major birthday is age 16, you get a car game on. Oh, yeah, you're so, so excited about it. Then it's 18. You get to vote 21. You get to drink 50 and 40. You're over the hill. So, okay, you know what to look for. But your entire working life, you work with the understanding that at age 65, you're going to retire and you go on Medicare. You know that there is something that is going to happen that you have to get ready for. And it's something big, big enough that you have been on faith thinking about this happening for 20, 30, 40 years, right? But there's nobody that the way that this is set up where you can get that information. You have to fact find it yourself. So you start scrambling or the seniors start scrambling, going, and the example that I use is my dad. My dad went to my mom and said, Okay, well, in three years I'm retiring. Now, granted, this was years ago. And she went, Who do you talk? You know, and he they said, We start, we got to start having this conversation. My mother looks at my father and goes, You do understand that your kid does this, right? <laughs> and and then, so I come walking out of the bedroom for, for coffee the next day. And he's playing in the dishes in the, in the dishwasher, putting them away. And he goes, so mom says that you do Medicare. Uh huh. Well, I'm going to be Medicare eligible in a couple of years. I need to understand how this works. Can you help me? So that's how it's done. It is a super high referral base Hmm. because it's passed down. Well, who did you go? How, who helped you with this? How did you figure this out? Usually it's their family members that are saying, I talked to so-and-so or they're going, and yes, the younger demographics are learning and getting into the electronic age. And you have their, and most seniors, their sons or daughters are their caretakers. The average caretaker's in their 40s, that person's on social media. So breaking this down to somebody that is that age and going, hey, your mom is having issues with this, I'm sure, let me put this into English for you, helps. So I teach and I can talk for days about the different opportunities about this and the income streams and how to make this viable. And it doesn't have to be that you sit on the corner or that you sit at a retail or a grocery store. There are so many different ways to fundamentally grow your business and go after your target market or just cross sell what you have they're already your client. Why not make them stickier? Why not go ahead and have it where you have the conversation with the group people that you have so that that way you're peeling off the seniors that are on there, which are driving your exposure up. You can't force them off, but you can show them how it is cost effective for them to go and move on to a possible plan and explore their options. These are all things that they can do. And my main job Is to, and I teach both those that work with me, but also I do on average, I think I get in front of probably about, I'd say about 10,000 agents a year minimum, where I teach them all the different facets of all of this, depending on what the topic is that I'm brought in to guest speak about, or if I'm teaching, you know, hosting my own classes, but how do I get you better at it? So that that way, let's face it. You want to do, you want to make the most amount of money with the least amount of work and do it compliantly. And I understand that that's where the agent's motivator is. So if I can show you how to do that and you can do it where now this becomes one where a year or six months later, you come back to me and go, had I known this? was going to stick and I don't have the high turnover and I don't have a lot of service work and I don't have all these things that I have to worry about with all these other product segments, I would have jumped on this much harder and much faster. And that is actually what's happening with a couple of my agencies right now where they're having that coming to Jesus where it's like, oh God, you were right. Wait a minute. This, this actually is low maintenance, even though the entry is a little bit higher. Um, So that's why I love it. It's a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) So here's, here's my other question, because everything you're saying makes perfect sense. How, how digital are you able to be in your education right now? Meaning for me, when what you just said I would have a landing page that faced agents for them to learn from me and eventually roll up into part of my organization so that I could continue to provide them with education moving forward. I would also have an, a knowledge base, an education center. Probably, I would probably have three things. I would have something for agents because in your role, that's, in my yeah, opinion, the yeah. easiest way for you to scale, right? You're at the point now you have 400 and some agents under you you don't need to go out and sell Medicare. You're much better served taking death teacher. by a thousand yes. cuts in growing your organization. Uh-huh. I would have something to, to recruit people and bring them in that way. The other thing I would do is I would have something set up to educate the end user. But my question there would be how many of them are actually going to get to that type of content mm-hmm. um, in, in a self-serve type way. And then I would have a third prong of it that, would be an education center for me, for the the 50-year-old whose parents are going through this, or really the 35 or 40-year-old whose parents are going through this. And I think that the first and the last are probably the two easiest to drive traffic to and see results from. Recruiting agents, educating the kids, let them handle it with their parents, then the parents reach out and you deal with them. How much are you actually... And that's what I made, what my comment was... Based on earlier, was as we continue to age, I personally, I might be completely ignorant in saying this. I don't think I'm going to have a problem with technology when I'm 65 or 70 years old. You've grown up with it. I grew up with technology and I continue to invest in learning about new tech as it comes out. Mm -hmm. You know, I think our generation, my generation, is probably going to change the way some of that works. But currently, how much of this are you able to do digitally directly to the aging population versus the one-offs? Because it sounds like the one-offs is where the real opportunity is for you to get in front of a large audience, whether it be through Facebook ads or something along those lines.
3: So I actually I actually have two companies. Um, my agent interface is the one that is Medicare Answers Now. My beneficiary face or the one that goes to the insured is Insurance Answers Now by Amanda Bruton. So I do run both and work with both demographics. When it comes to digital content for the beneficiary and the caretaker and all of that, um, I'm actually working on that content as we speak. I am working on launching YouTube, TikTok, putting out blog posts. Um, I do have multiple Facebook pages, multiple Facebook groups. And I, you know, and then I do a lot of content that is on my personal Facebook page and on my LinkedIn. So, and I have a very strong following on both the LinkedIn and on Facebook. Um, so feel free to go ahead and that's how we connected, but that's how other people connected to me too. But I do... There's a method to how I disseminate the content. So there's some that hits each of those audiences when I am doing when I am posting. With digital content as in video, we are working on cutting that. And it's um, I just hired a marketing director and I've got a whole bunch of things that are in that are cooking. The thing that in the future with this, with the if you look at at any given point in time, the beneficiary has 100 different plans to choose from. You can go online and try to research that all day long. You can, you can do it online, people do it all the time. Except what ends up happening is is that one, you have no idea of what you're looking at. Two, to figure out what the differences are between all of those and figure out what makes a good fit for you. Assuming that you can enter in the medications correctly and you're not just picking one that says that it's, you know, and you're not, you know, you're picking the right form and the white frequency of your of your medications, you can theoretically do that today. And as people get more tax savvy, yes, they can do that tomorrow but actually having somebody that sits down with you or via Zoom, whatever way that that is, and actually have a conversation to help guide you and make sense and put it into English. Medicare is one of the most technical insurances I feel that are out there, especially with how regulated it is. To be able to sit with somebody that can make sure that your you or your loved one is taken care of that way I don't see that going away at all. I think if anything what's happening is, is that you have so much other automation and so much more so many other things that are being done electronically. This is going to be one of those very few things that is going to need to be an in-person personal touch just like going well more of your more intricate doctor visits are versus the the visual ones. I think that this is going to stay as something that is going to be a personal touch thing, but that's just me.
2: Yeah, I I
1: think, No, I think so too. And that's, that's the interesting part about it. Like it, everything in our, in the industry is personal touch for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that we have insure techs that are out there trying to change how people, how people buy the product and, and eventually cut agents out. But I've seen studies. I understand how the older generation thinks. I understand how my generation thinks. And I've seen a lot of studies and just even listening to the younger generation where my my oldest son is now. He's going to be 21 here in October. They also want somebody they know and trust to give them advice. You know, I think that we see a lot of something like this. Yeah.
3: they There's so much bad information out there. Yeah. So much bad information out there. To me, do you want to know what motivates me? Mo- what what it in the money? It's going out and changing the stereotype of what we do. That's what motivates me. That's why I do the conferences and the amount of training that I do. I want to change how people view the insurance industry as a whole. I want to have it where, I know that grandma's gotten what she's needed and she's not second guessing it. And I want to go ahead and help the agent so that the agent isn't hearing from some idiot that says with conviction, Medicare is going away. You need to find another job, knowing in reality that that isn't the case. So for me, that's where having some place to go and having that personal. Is this really true? Is this really what I'm reading is that really the right thing? That's what I think the industry is going to tend towards. The homework will be done online, but that validation needs to be direct and in, in one in per, one per, you know, one-on-one.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Listen, we've been going for, wow, it doesn't seem like an hour.
3: Time flies when we're having fun. (laughs) It
1: it does. But I mean, I know that there's going to be a lot of people who want to know more about how they can get engaged, how they can learn, how they can get educated. And if this is something that they're turning away from their agency right now to realize this is something that they can Get on my
3: calendar. Go to MedicareAnswersNow.com. Look through, it. cyber stalk me. I'm everywhere. There's information about getting into the business. There's information I have a frequently asked questions that tells you all the things. I actually put in writing what I do. So I back what I say. There are YouTubes about it that I have about getting started in the industry. I teach these classes on a regular basis. Find me on social media, call the office. Um it's an easy discussion to have. And if it's something that you define that or you find that you don't want to do and you just want to refer it out and you want an expert that you know will go ahead and take uh, good care of your clients, reach out. We can have a discussion about that all day long too. So I'm totally game for all
1: of it. And it was good to talk with you. (laughs) Yeah, you you too. Listen, everybody, You know, if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or Stitcher or any of the places other than like YouTube or the website where you would see this readily, we will have all of the links to Amanda's social as well as to the website that she just mentioned in the show notes so that you'll be able to click and go explore more. I encourage you to reach out to her and just see, you know, if this is a direction that you want to go. I appreciate the nobility of wanting to change the perception of the industry. I'm in the industry and I had that perception. Like I said, when I took my life and health licensing courses, I was like, holy crap, this is why people hate insurance agents so much when you read it. And, you know, it really isn't that bad. And I, you know, I'm like you, money's nice, but I literally could buy whatever I I want to sleep at night you know, yeah, I literally could buy whatever I want at this point. So I'm not, I don't focus on the money. I focus in the satisfaction of knowing that I know something that somebody else didn't. And as a result of me transferring that knowledge, I either helped them make more money in their career, or I get to a point where I'm helping them actually meet the need that they needed to have met. And that to me will always be more fulfilling to me than money at this point. Now I'm not going to say oh, yeah. that wasn't going to be more fulfilling to me and you're number one, but when you get yeah. to a certain point in your career, it shifts. You ha- It does shift. And I think that as the time goes on, I'm going to continue to do be more and more and more of an educator and less and less and less of a salesperson myself. So I thank you for coming on today. Certainly challenged- Thank you for having me. Yeah, challenged the way for us to think and gave some information out to our audience that they typically wouldn't get for us. And hopefully, you know, uh, it's mutually beneficial for both you and, and people who reach out to learn more about how they can get involved with you. So thanks so much for spending time with us today, Amanda. Thank you. And we you. look forward to uh, sharing this with our audience here in the next couple of weeks. Sounds good. Talk cool. to you soon. See ya. See you.
0: See you.